Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, uh, guys, welcome to another episode of Latte with Lawyer. Today I've got um, attorney from Atlanta, McLean uh, Merrick, and he's with the law firm Brooks Injury Law. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Good, excellent. So uh, just to kick it off here, um, to keep it the theme of the show here, what is your favorite morning beverage to get you going? If I'm not doing my own coffee at home, which I get from a local vendor called Forgotten Coast, um, I do uh, a vanilla latte. Um, that's if I'm going special. Uh, okay. But I love just a good cup of coffee with a little bit of cream. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, but yeah, if I'm out and about, uh, Tim Hortons is coming to Atlanta soon. Oh, I'm very really? excited about that. Um, and I'll, I'll get a latte um, from them or Starbucks or whatever. Yeah, Tim Hortons is coming to Atlanta. No kidding. Yeah, supposedly 15 stores. Can't wait. <laughs> wow. Why Atlanta? That's interesting. Because uh, of all of our hockey transplants. Oh. Uh, got a lot of Canadians, yeah. Really? Wait, so I, I mean, I don't think of Atlanta as being a big hockey town. I mean, we could get into that for hours. We can, we can get into <laughs> that for a few minutes if you want. <laughs> so I've got um, behind me, I've got my blown up photo of the Atlanta Thrashers, one of two playoff games that they had here. Um, it, it's a good hockey town as long as you don't want to be a local fan. Um, if, if anybody was coming in, whether it was the Bruins or the Red Wings, you'd go to the game and you'd forget you were in Atlanta because everybody would, would be wearing the, the golden black or the red and white, and you'd forget that you're even in Atlanta. So, um, Atlanta was a good hockey town. They got destroyed by bad ownership and we've lost two teams now and I don't think it's coming back and I cry a little bit every day. I mean, it really should. Atlanta's a big metropolitan area. They could easily support, and with the absolutely. infrastructure, absolutely support a professional uh, hockey team. Yeah, I mean, if, if Tampa Bay and Nashville can do it, exactly. Do it there's no reason Atlanta can't. But, um, yeah, I, that's an issue I could do a whole podcast on myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. Well, listen, I, I live in South Florida now, and, um, you know, I'm not in Miami. But, I mean, Miami has a hard time, too with the sports teams. Uh, Panthers are doing all right right now. So no, the Panthers are great. It's interesting. I mean, in retrospect, I think they should have moved all the sports venues out to where the Panthers are. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to a Panthers game. I've never been to the Panthers game specifically. I've been by the stadium. And okay. so I know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not in downtown Miami. Right. It's outside, but it's easy to get to. It's accessible because probably like Atlanta, although Atlanta is probably better it's not an easy state to, to drive around, right? There's no real good transportation. There's no train. There's none of that kind of stuff. So it's wow. really hard. Like I live up by Delray Beach, Boca Raton. So for me to go to see a sporting event in Miami, it's an hour and a half to get there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I hop on the train. I'm 15 minutes by train, 20 minutes by car. And that's to every venue. In yeah. Atlanta, so see, see that's what it should be. That that's the problem with Miami, that yeah. uh, it's just not a lot of people, but it's there's no good mass transport. So anyway, that that's we could have a whole other discussion on that. But anyway, oh, yeah. so 
So, so uh, you guys are personal injury firm. Tell me uh, what kind of work you do and, you know, how you got into this. Yeah, uh, we primarily uh, personal injury, obviously. So um, we look at med mal cases. We look at um, property um, shootings, um, just car wrecks. I mean, any any kind of civil case that's going to go in where uh, people need help with just injuries that they've been through. A lot of people look at personal injury as just uh, attacking insurance companies, and we really try and take the whole person and really help them through their care, through the process of dealing with the insurance company and then even when insurance falls through and, and helping them pursue just trying to be made whole as best we can even though it's mainly just money that we're able to offer but right. um yeah i mean it's it's all encompassing um there's very little that we would turn away and if we do turn away we're going to turn you away with a name and and a person to go to to, to help you um, okay and we got into it. It was it was Natanya and I originally. Um, Natanya Brooks started this firm um, to, uh, three four years ago now, and she was a former defense attorney uh, for insurance companies, and I was as well. I did five six years of representing you started defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually started in a totally different field, unrelated to any of this, but um, got into this field through that avenue did about five or six years representing some of the biggest insurance companies in the nation and um, slowly just started to get burnt out with just helping these big corporations make a ton of money and save money. And, uh, and I started just thinking about moving somewhere else. And Natanya was actually my opponent. And uh, we wrapped up a case and she called me and she goes, now that that's over, I can finally talk to you. What do you think about coming and uh, joining on. And so we're now going into our third year together, uh, working in this field and, uh, oh, I nice. love it. Yeah. And you feel better about being on the plaintiff side? I do. Uh, and, and I know defense attorneys argue with that a good bit when they're there and, and looking over on the other side of the fence, but there, there is something nice about, I don't know, getting a hug from your client when you do good for them. Um, it's nice when you have people that really just coming to you with their hand out, just going, please help me. And you get to really just take them by the hand and walk them through the process and, and fight for them to get them a result and very different feeling than when you help an insurance adjuster get to the end and they just go, cool. All right. Now we have a hundred more. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot more fulfilling to be helping people and, uh, you know, that's part of why I became a lawyer in the first place. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I have to remind myself of that because it's, it is a job, but I really yeah. do, really do like it. Being on, having been on both sides, which side do you think is more challenging or intellectually challenging? Oh, wow. More intellectually challenging. I think that depends on your opponent. Um, this side throws a lot more at me day to day, uh, throws a lot more uncertainty and a lot more puzzle solving, which I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Mm. The defense side is more reactionary. Uh, and I think that's the best part about being a plaintiff's attorney is you play offense, defense plays defense. Um, so it depends on your opponent. If you're on the defensive side and you're going up against the heavy hitting guys, it's a, it's a challenge. 
but um, over here we get to kind of set the pace and um, lots of issues come up. I research a lot more on this side. I'm coming up with new issues more often on this side and um, intellectually, I think uh, a jury trial is more difficult on our side than it is defense. Mm. So um, you have the burden, right? So yeah, and, yeah. and even more so than the burden, the defense just has to go in and throw mud at the wall and hope something sticks. Right. You know, I've got to convince 12 people uh, and, and, and to the 51% or 50 plus uh, barrier. And all they have to do is just throw a little bit and then all of a sudden the case is shot. So I think it takes a lot more of a, a technical and, and artful approach from plaintiffs than it does defense. Got it. Yeah. And we, and I know you played hockey, but were you, were you an offensive or defense? I'm all offense. All offense. There you go. See, so there you go. That's why you should have been on the plaintiff side. Yeah. And that was, that was a literal conversation I had with, with my wife and my family when I was thinking about moving over is uh, I play soccer now because um, hockey's just become too difficult and expensive. Uh, but uh, I realized, you know, every sport I've played, I love scoring the goal. Yeah. Why am I playing defense in my career? It makes no sense. So there you go. That makes sense. It's funny. Yeah. My son was a hockey player and he played defense. It's it's noble. And I appreciate my defenders and <laughs> my my team for soccer. I love each and every one of my defenders. I, I give them the highest praises. I just don't want to be them. That's yeah, all. <laughs> I agree with you. I'd rather score, too. Oh, yeah. When I was playing sports. I was like, I like I like scoring. It's more fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So that, that's uh, that's interesting. So, so why'd you become a lawyer? How'd you uh, make that decision? Yeah, we've got, um, they actually asked me to do a video of that and we posted it on our website. I've never watched it. So I'm not sure what I said. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I became a lawyer uh, back when I was in high school. Uh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. <laughs> And my family went through uh, a really difficult stretch and uh, just kind of family just like was broken apart at the seams. And an attorney came and came to the rescue for our family, for my mom. And I just saw how appreciative and how much we relied uh, on this individual. and the feeling that I got from him of just, it's one of those you see on the cheesy, like old Westerns and they're like, I, well, thank you, ma'am. I just don't do it for the money. And I saw that look on his face when we were walking out of the courthouse and it was a look like I did good. Um, not just well, like I did good and I wanted to experience that. And so I, got my act together and uh, pushed my way through college as hard and as fast as I could. Um, then turned my eyes on law school and got out and, you know, then, then the bills start coming in and you don't have as much of an opportunity to do good right out the gate as you'd like to. And so I worked in a legal field that I did not enjoy and finally got to a point where I was in a position where I could transfer over to do some good. And I've, I've really enjoyed that. And, you know, I don't think I've been 
it, it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's the truth. So um, I don't think I've been that hero in the way that that attorney was for our family yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Cause he, he saved us from ruin and, uh, and I'm more in a position to just help people try and keep their lives together and, and get a little semblance of their life back, which is still like, I have gotten a few of those hugs and I have gotten a few of those moments where you're like, Oh, okay. This is, this is why we do it. This is a good reminder. And, uh, and I, I savor those. So yeah, um, still doing it. That's a great story. No, I mean, I, I hear that often with, um, particularly on the plaintiff side, it's like, there's always a reason. There was something that happened and there's an impetus. It seems to be really, that seems to be a through line I've noticed. I, I think it kind of has to be there for a lot of us. I mean, some, yeah. some are doing this to make good money and they do that and, and props to them for doing that. But for a lot of us, this job is really hard. I mean, the stress yeah. level is incredible. The hours are incredible. Um, and in terms of how many, um, and, and the stakes are just so high that you've got to have a little something extra that pushes you. Otherwise yeah. you'd go do something else. I mean, there's so many other fields that are less, uh, less stakes, less stress that make more. Uh, and, but I, I, I need to go home at the end of the day saying I did something for somebody. Um, and if I don't, I, I feel like I'm dying inside because I only have so many years here. And if I'm going to waste them just making money, then forget it. It's not worth yeah, it. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's noble. That's, uh, <laughs> it's good to hear that. Yeah. Um, how many lawyers are in your firm? There are four of us right now. Okay. Uh, and we're hoping to add uh, a good, a good number here in the next year. And uh it was just me and Natanya for about a year. And then we've, we've added two since then. And it's a great team. It's okay. a, a small, the, I came from a firm of about 50 lawyers to this. So it's been a nice, nice change of pace. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's really interesting. So yeah. I gather no one else in your family is a lawyer. No, no. <laughs> okay. You have any brothers and sisters? Yeah. I have three siblings. One's a financial advisor. Um, one works in uh, office management and the other one is doing uh, creative design for a creative group here in Atlanta. Oh, cool. So we're a, we're a fun bunch. Of we're together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're from Atlanta. Is that where you're from? Are you from? I, I've lived here since I was two years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear the Southern influence there. Oh no, nobody tells me that. I mean, a little bit, just some of the things you're saying, the way you pronounce I, insurance, insurance. Okay. I, and I say y'all, but uh, yeah. my family is mainly Californian and Midwestern. So oh. I, all the Southerners say I'm not from here. Got but it. If you're from Boston, you might hear a little. Well, something. I mean, again, if you're from, <laughs> but even though I live in this, I live about as far south as you can get, although there's nothing Southern about where I live. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, well, it's, once you hit Florida, you're not in the South anymore. Nah, th this is anything <laughs> but the South, really. It's yeah. a bunch of Northeast people that wanted warm weather and no That's taxes. Great. That's about <laughs> it. Um, anyway, interesting. So, so let me ask you a question. Again, this is kind of like my typical question I would ask, but like, is there anything that was like a real memorable case that you worked on so far? 
Yeah, and it's funny because the most memorable case um, I had was a, a couple. Well, it was the last case before COVID. Okay. Um, for me, and I was still doing defense work, but it's memorable because of how it went down. Um, it, it was a personal injury case. I was representing the defendant through the insurance company. Um, it was uh, it, the the plaintiff attorney was uh, a, a well-known seasoned veteran in Atlanta. Um, I had actually watched him the year before turn a $200,000 medicals case into a $1.5 million verdict. Um, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous to try this case against him because I've seen how he approaches. I've seen how he, he does cases. Um, very prepared. Uh, brings his own TVs into the courtroom, portrays it for the jury, very, um, not just researched, but very organized and intentional about each step. Uh, and we got through the trial and throughout the case, I had just taken a very minimalistic approach, um, kept his witnesses on the stand for no more than two minutes when it was my turn. Um, his, his witness, his client did a great job, nicest lady. Um, before we went to trial, I told him that I, I wish that I had been given more authority to try and settle his case. And we got a defense verdict. And there was probably nobody more surprised in that courtroom than me. Um, and in talking to the jury afterward, I learned that all of my effort and all of my genius approach to this case was basically for not um, all the jury cared about was that the plaintiff was wearing high heels. And based on the injuries that she was complaining of, a woman in that circumstance, and it was mainly back and neck pain. I, I found that interesting. Interesting. Uh, um, they did not buy her story because she wore stilettos. Um, and I will never forget that case, uh, not because of the intricacies, not because of the complexity of the case, but we, we always say it in education for lawyer education that you never know what a jury's going to do. You never know what they're thinking, what is important to them. And I have not had a better example of that <laughs> in my career than stilettos ruining her case. Um, I apologize to my opposing counsel because I did not like the outcome. I felt it was unjust for all of us. And that was the moment where I think I realized I have to jump to the other side and start fighting because that was, uh, that was crazy. Um, so and was there no award given to the plaintiff? She was given, she had, she was given a very, very, very small award. Mm. Um, it, it did not cover anything enough so that the attorney didn't take a single dollar of fees Her doctors had to take pennies on the dollar just so she could not go bankrupt. Um, cause she had substantial medical expenses. Um, and she was, she was such a great, great lady. I really, really liked her and it felt, it felt dirty doing the cross-examination and um I, and i wasn't doing that that's the 
the beauty of the civil side, I, you always hear about what, how could you represent the child molesters or the murderers? And, right. and I said, well, those people deserve a trial too, and they deserve a fair trial. Um, if, if I were to represent those particular people, I don't think I would ever go in with the intent to try and get them off scot-free just to game the system. Mm. And I never did my defense cases that way either for civil. Um, I wanted a fair trial. Um, and I think I gave a fair trial and the jury even took it away from me and punished her in a way that I didn't even feel was appropriate. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's my most memorable case. And I, I'm sure that's very different from what you hear most of the time. But... No, but it's actually interesting. It's really interesting because I'm sure you learned a whole lot from that. I mean, it could, no, it, well, it, it's different, the specifics of that. But what's not different about it is that you're really sort of um, at the mercy of the jury, right? Yeah. And how they feel about things and the little little details. I'm actually surprised that that attorney who's very thorough missed that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I always think right? back to Shawshank Redemption uh, when, when Red is saying, how often does a man look at another man's shoes? And I... I didn't notice that she was wearing heels. I didn't think that was a deal. Um, we were in a conservative venue. Mm. I would say our jury was mostly upper class. Yeah. I'm surprised that they focused in on that. Mm. Um, and now, of course, every client I talk to in my cases, I say, please wear flats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, he is very thorough. I just don't think we've ever seen a case where somebody got their entire case discounted because they wore heels. Uh, and, and it was, it was, it was baffling. Well, it would uh, be like, you know, if someone had major um, back surgery and they were still playing basketball on their, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So it wasn't about the heels. It was the fact that I don't know what the injury was in this case, but how could you be wearing still at us if you had this injury i guess right was I, and un until they said that i i would not have noticed recognized or cared that she wore heels right i mean i i i, I don't understand why women wear heels in the first place uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah. i've always thought it was a pain on your feet i didn't realize that hurts your back or your neck or anything like that but yeah well, yeah that right. was that I mean, was memorable could have been an excruciating pain wearing that but felt like it was a better way to present herself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you can't oversell it. I mean, you say a little bit of neck pain, you walk in with a neck brace, and everybody's looking at you, going, "Really?" So, um, but your shoes matter. And, yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was wild. That 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 it actually is quite an interesting story. But um, I mean, again, not to sort of you know jump ahead on this, but that's kind of what we're doing with our software too. That we're, we're testing those kind of things to see how people are response. So you don't get blindsided yeah. by those things. Yeah. Cause it does come down to the way the jury is going to perceive things, right? Cause it is emotional. It's not always based on the pure, you know, facts. It's the way things are pre presented and perceived. A absolutely. I mean, right? we're, we're telling a story. We are presenting a, uh, a case and facts in a narrative form to try and sway a jury to believe our story versus the defense's story. Uh, and 
yeah, perception is everything. Um, I, I had this disagreement with uh, a friend the other night. He said, you know, if if perception is reality, then what is reality? And I said, it really doesn't matter what reality is. It's just the perception that matters. And that there's no more, uh, there is not a arena, an arena more true for that than a jury. Right. Because they get the final say. We get to talk to them. They don't talk to us until they're giving their final word. Um, and yeah, those 12, those 12 strangers are the key. And I, jury selection is my favorite part of trial. Uh, jury selection is, I think, where you win or lose a case. And I, I love it. I love meeting and talking to the jurors. I love having my captive audience. Um, and yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to that. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like what, what's your approach to, I guess it's deselecting, right? Yeah. Deselecting. Right. Striking. Yeah. How do you do, how do you do that? Um, I personally, uh, like doing, uh, we, we do like an audience participation kind of approach. Um, we ask all the jurors to participate in every question. Um, and I tell my friends when my friends ask, how do I get off a jury? I say, if you want to get off a jury, be the most memorable person in the room, uh, because one of the attorneys is going to want to get rid of you. And so with our jurors, with our prospective jurors, we try to get them to participate as much because I want to learn as much about them as possible. Mm. Uh, I want to see where they lean on issues. I want to see um, who they're connecting with in, in the room. I want to see uh, what they enjoy uh, and, and what they're looking for because you have so many different personality types that some of these jurors are walking in. All they care about is the facts. Um, you have some of the younger generation that comes in and frankly, they want to be entertained as they sit in the jury box. Um, you have others that walk in with a bias that they're already, they've already chosen who they want. And it's my job to get rid of them, um, potentially, unless they want to, you know, choose me. Um, but the, the approach is through, um, I have the, I have a keynote cause I'm an Apple guy. I have a, a keynote presentation with videos and clips and uh, uh, a bunch of questions and I just try and work through it. And then I have my staff there watching our, our pool and trying to ascertain who's gonna lean which way. And uh, we try to learn as much about Easter in that time segment, however long it's gonna be as, as we can. And then we'll try and strike the ones for cause that shouldn't be there. And then we strike the ones that uh, we just think will be disfavorable to our plaintiff. And it's, it's a fun process. It's very stressful. It's very high strung and it moves very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use any technology for that? Yeah, I do. Um, at my keynote presentation I put up, um, I don't do any tech. Like I know what you guys do. I don't have anything fancy. like. But that. I know, I know this things for like voir dire specifically, right. To help mm -hmm. with jury selection. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I just have my presentation for audio visual uh, for, for them. Yeah. Like I, I show a clip of a soccer game actually um, for, for them and uh, just to get them engaged and, and get to know me a little bit because yeah. they have to hear from me for the next three, four days. So hopefully they, they know I'm a human being at the end of the day. Right. right. But that's about the only tech is really um, just casting 
um, via Apple TV. And Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Need to get better at the tech. I'm I'm bad with tech, so uh, really? not that I'm not willing. I'm just I'm not uh, well versed in it yet. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, I mean, it seems that I mean, I, that I was going to get to that eventually, so I might as well go there right now. But I mean, so you guys don't use anything now? Like, what about like for e-discovery or case management? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We have we have tech yeah, the, for case management. And, OK, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got providers for e-discovery and everything. Okay. I just sorry. It's more me personally. Right. I'm not I'm not. uh super tech driven um i think i put in a little note to you that I'm, I'm actually trying to get to a dumb phone um so i'm not attached at the hip to technology yeah. but i'm always available i have my ipad um we are very clued in on tech everywhere and a lot i think you would find if you really dove into it every plaintiff's firm is way ahead of the defense firms in tech i've heard that actually i've already heard that it, it's it's kind of baffling yeah. how different the tech why, is. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, I remember having this conversation with a guy who's working for Salesforce, and he was trying to pitch one of their uh, campaigns for the defense field. And, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is the offense versus defense. Mm when you're playing defense, you have to be so reactionary to what's coming at you that you really only can have a baseline structure. And then you have to adapt as to where the, the wingers are coming from, where the centers are coming from, where you're being attacked from to handle the flanks, to handle whatever. And on the offensive side, you get to program, plan, fine tune your attack. And then you make little adjustments to the defense. And I don't think the defense world has the flexibility that the plaintiff's world does in terms of developing programs to aid them. Mm. Um, and, and I still feel that way, even after switching to the plaintiff side and, and, and working within one of these frameworks, the tech on this side, we can fine tune it to how we want to run the game. And on the defense side, you're coming up against a hundred different attorneys that all run their games differently. It's very difficult to set up a system that is efficient and responsive to those hundred different ways that you're being attacked. So it's very paper heavy. It's very um, uh, just grunt work heavy of just trying to get everything in to assess and then move. And our side is, all right, how do we want to, how do we want to attack this one? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's a lot more, a lot more flexible. So that's, that's my guess. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. But I mean, it's just the other side of the same coin. So the defense side knows the case. Can't they sort of preemptively sort of try to cut somebody off? You know, to use your hockey metaphor. Yeah, I know they're coming down the right side to the wing. I'm going to get over there so they can't. I'm going to cut off the angle. You know what I mean? Like, can't you, can't, don't they do those things as well? In, in some cases, yeah, but you got to think too, on the plaintiff side, I get the case within weeks, if not days after the incident occurs. Defense attorneys aren't getting the case until 15 days after the lawsuit's been filed. 
which for Georgia statute of limitations is two years for injury typically. Um, so the defense attorney is already two years and 15 days behind. Oh, I see. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so, yeah, you know, I'm coming down the right flank, but man, I've been, I've been in the gym and training on this like crazy. And meanwhile, your last opponent came down the left flank. So you're having to shift all your gears. You're having to shift your defense and your focus to the other side. And it's, it's very difficult. So yeah, if you see me coming down and I'm your opponent, every time you may know my approach and you may be a little more prepared, but you know, in developing technology as a responsive tool, the amount of money and detail and just hours you have to spend with each group for each project is, I think it's cost prohibitive on the defense side. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that lopsided in terms of oh, yeah. prep. Okay. I know, I know everything going on for two whole years in theory before the defense has ever heard a word about this. So we're already running full steam and they're trying to backtail and get in front of the goal. So I'm not on a breakaway. Got it. I, I so, love sports metaphors. No, I don't, well, it's easy to relate to. I agree with you. But uh, so, I mean, but on the defense side, they're really just trying to prevent the big nuclear, right? Yeah. Incident. yeah. So the other ones that you just try to deal with them quickly, settle them and move on, yep. which is what you said earlier. Yep. Yeah. Next, next, next. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's sad because you, you put your heart and soul into some of these and, you know, even on the stilettos case, it was such a shocking result for everybody. And my, my claims adjuster was like, all right, cool. And uh, that was it. And no, thank you. Like, come on. Just a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, that isn't, and well, listen, everyone likes positive feedback. You do something good, you want to get a high, right? That's what you're saying. And uh, when you're in a factory, and it's like, just keep moving. It's not as rewarding. I mean, pe- you know, people do things for money, but they also want to feel good about what they're doing too. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I, I, I get that. And again, I, I've had, an, I've had enough of these conversations now that it's pretty <laughs> consistent that people are doing it because of course there's money to be made there but they want to feel good about what they're doing so yeah i didn't realize that before i started working with you guys on the plaintiff side that people are actually pretty good guys and they're fighting for a good cause yeah it's uh we get bad raps on both sides and you know you do come across it, it's a few bad apples that ruins it for everybody right and I definitely came against those guys when I was on the defensive side and, and I, I did not appreciate them very much. Yeah. Um, and then I've moved to this side and I've met the exact same people on the opposite side now that I see the same thing. So, you know, all the attorneys collectively get a bad rap because we're the guys that are just out to make a dollar. And, and that's not true there are those guys and they're usually the ones that are the loudest. Right. But then there is a, a great solid group of attorneys that really do care. They really do push hard um, because they want to be a hero in a sense. And those are the people that I want to surround myself with. And those are the guys that I want to go get a beer or a latte with um, and, and just be thankful that there are other people in that fight because if, if we weren't doing this, uh, our clients would be in a much worse place. And so 
I'm thankful for it. I do love these, these people that I get to work with. Uh, I've never seen a group of competitors, essentially, you know, my, my field of plaintiff's attorneys is very saturated and they work together on everything in a way that you just don't see in other fields. I imagine there's even more competition in medicine. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really thankful for this group. And, and for the most part, everybody here does have a soul and they do have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I'll wrap it up because that was that was a high that was a high point. So yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap it up there. But um, so if any anyone wants to connect with you and learn more about what, what your business and what's the best way to get in touch with you, uh, BrooksInjuryLaw.com or um, even I think the campaigns We Care Law on TikTok and Instagram and TikTok. all the other things that I don't know. Um, I've I've never been on TikTok. But- <laughs> Uh, my staff is, and they know all about it. So that's the best way to reach us. Happy to to talk to anybody. Excellent. All right. Well, good. So uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, again, we're happy to have uh, McLean Merritt from uh, Brooks Injury Law in Atlanta. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. And this has been sponsored by Emotion Track, and we use artificial intelligence to gather um, nonverbal hidden insights that people use for mediation and trial work in case prep. Thanks again. Absolutely.